and I'm going to talk today about Jesus and talk about his mission, his purpose, and then how that translates to us today. All right? So I'd like you to turn to Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 through 22. And while you turn there, I'm going to talk a little bit. And why is it important that we know our mission and know our purpose? It is important so that we will keep focus on the will of Christ and not get distracted. That's why Jesus was able to do what he did in the midst of everything that was happening. He knew his mission, he knew his purpose. So he wasn't easily distracted. And it's the same way. This is why it's important that we know our mission and purpose. So that we don't get distracted, just as Jesus was not distracted. If we know why we are here and what we ought to be doing, it's safe to say that we would believe and do things which have eternal value. If we know why we're here, and if we know what we ought to be doing, it's safe to say that we would be doing and believing things which have eternal value. And these things will glorify God. Because that's God's purpose for, for our lives. As I go on, you will get more of an understanding as I give the example of Jesus. Now, remember in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 through 19, as I, I quoted that, and I used that scripture last week, and I'm going to read it again today from the Amplified Bible. This is what Jesus stood in the synagogue and read from the book of Isaiah about himself. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, the Messiah. Because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to announce release, pardon, forgiveness to the captives. Recovery of sight to the blind. To set free those who are oppressed, downtrodden, bruised, crushed by tragedy. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. The day when salvation and the favor of the Lord abound greatly. That's his mission. And I read it in the Amplified to give it a little more uh, depth of meaning. And as I go and give the example, you'll see that everything Jesus did was in line with what, he, what was declared about him here. He didn't deviate from that. Alright, so I hope you had Matthew, Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 through 22. And what I'm going to give you a scenario before I read the scripture. So in this scenario we have the Pharisees, which were a religious group opposed to the Roman occupation, and the Herodians, a political party supported by Herod Antipas, and the policies instituted by Rome. These two groups did not get along. They did not get along, but were united against Jesus Christ. They were united against Christ. They contrived a plot, which they thought was foolproof, to trap Jesus by asking him about paying taxes. If Jesus agreed it was right to pay Roman taxes, the Pharisees would say he is opposed to God. And likewise, if he was against paying the Roman taxes, the Herodians would have him arrested for rebellion. Their motives were not motivated by love, 
for God or for justice, but for evil. They are about to set him up to trap him. So I'm going to read Matthew, the, the verses now in Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 to 22, and then I'm going to elaborate a bit, and then I'll bring that to home. So Matthew 22, verse 15, the scripture reading goes like this. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him, that's Jesus, in his talk. And they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God in truth. Nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person of men. Verse 17, 17. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Verse 18. But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, Whose image and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they had heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. Okay, that's the end of the scripture reading. Now what I want to show you here is that when you know your mission and your purpose, you can't get distracted with stuff like this. You look at when they first, they, they, they contrived the plot and they come to Jesus now to execute this plot. So they set him up, then they're going to spring the trap. And many people, if you really listen to how some people talk to you, they sweeten you up and then they, <laughs> then they come with the, the twist, okay? When you see people starting to butter you up, just wait for, wait for what's coming right after that. Okay? So they said, Teacher, we know that you are true. You teach the way of God in truth. Nor do you care about anyone. For you do not regard the person of men. However, what do you think about paying taxes to Caesar? So Jesus already knew it was a trap. And he called them out to their faces. He said here in verse 18, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? He didn't say it behind their back. He said it straight to their face. I know you guys are trying to set me up. You're a bunch of hypocrites. Why are you testing me? Okay? So why did he answer the way he did? Well, I'm glad you asked. Jesus was walking in the wisdom of God. He was walking in the light. Because remember, he and the Father one. So the wisdom of God was given to him by the Spirit to answer these people because he already knew the plot that they were coming to him. He already knew it. So, so what, when they opened their mouth, he already knew what was coming. So that's why he responded. Why are you testing me? You bunch of, you, you hypocrites. You have an ulterior motive in why you approach me and you're buttering, buttering me up and then you, you're trying to spring a trap. You're a bunch of hypocrites. So anyhow, why did, he, why did he answer the way he did? Because he knew the Father's plan from the beginning to the end. He already knew the Father's plan. He was in the beginning when the eternal plan was created in eternity. 
And that plan now is being executed in time and space, chronologically. So he already knew the plan. Okay, so since he knows the beginning from the end, the answer, the way he answered the, 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 the um, Pharisees and the Herodians reveals the, he, that he knows the plan. And let me break it down for you. He knows the understanding. Jesus knew his purpose and he wasn't distracted by the, by the plot. He was about pleasing the Father and about the business of the kingdom of God. Let me ask you this question and I'm going to show, and you're going to see exactly where, how Jesus knew his purpose and why he wasn't distracted. First question. Before reading the scripture, did any of us ever hear about a denarius? I can say, I can speak for everyone here, no. We didn't know what a denarius was. Second question. Why is it not common currency today? Is the denarius common currency today? No. Number three. Where is Caesar? Caesar is no longer here. Number four. Where is the Roman Empire? Doesn't exist anymore. They talk about Jesus said, show me the money. Show me the Darius. Who's inscription? They said Caesar's. Is Caesar's inscription commonly circulated on any commonly circulated on any currency today? Absolutely not. Rome is in Italy. The last time I checked, right? The currency in Italy is what today? The euro. It's not the denarius. It doesn't have Caesar's inscription on it. It's called a euro. And the euro has only been in around at least 30 years. Well, less than 50 years. So what does that tell me? What does that tell you? What about the things of God? Has God's plan faltered or is it still on track? The last time I checked, God's plan is still on track. Is anyone or anything able to stop the plan or will of God? The last time I checked, absolutely not. Even though Satan is trying his hardest to thwart the plan of God, it ain't going to work. Because what God has said will come to pass. I don't care what the enemy does. Because God has already factored in what he's going to do and God has already have a plan to deal with him. So I'm not even concerned. God's will will be done. Nothing, nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop the will of God. Nothing, nada. Anything man can come up with, anything Satan can come up with, it cannot stop the will of God from being done. That's it. It has been written in eternity and it will be done in time and space. God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You could take that to any bank or anywhere. That truth will never change. So the things of God are eternal. Jesus is thinking eternal. They are talking natural. Time and space. The, the denarius is no more. Caesar is no more. The Roman Empire is no more. Things are constantly changing on this earth. In this world system there will always be change. Okay? The things of God are eternal. The things of the world are temporary. 
God never thinks short term. God is always thinking of the long haul, from the beginning to the end. He's never thinking of just about the in-between, the temporary. He's thinking long term. Eternity, that's where God's mind is. Everything that's done in the natural, that we see done in the natural, first manifests in the spirit, and first is done in the spirit and manifests in the natural. But the spirit is eternal. Temporal, the, the temporal, what we see, what we interact with is, is temporary. It, it will come and it will go. Okay, so Christ, when he was speaking to the Pharisees and the Herodians, he knew this. He knew everything was Caesar, the mu- everything is going to go away. That's temporary, but the will of God is eternal. He knew that when he was, when he was speaking, when he responded. He knew the future and, and he already knew the future and how things w- were going to change. And things will change. He was, Jesus was not distracted by the temporary, as I said, but was always about the eternal. Everything he was doing and saying was spirit, was dealing with the eternal. He came to give people hope. That's why he made the declaration. Deliver them from the power of sin. Reconcile them to God so that they could know him, know the Father. What do you think that relationship? You think that's a temporary relationship? No, it's an eternal relationship. He's talking long term, eternity. That's why his mission was to redeem fallen man. His purpose was to make the way so that redeemed fallen man can be redeemed to God. To have an everlasting relationship. What is that? When you give your life to Christ, what do you get? You get eternal life. It's not temporary life. It's eternal life. Even though you leave the body, you are still secure in Christ. You still have eternal life. So when he, the, when the Herodians and the Pharisees would, t- would come to the, him with that trap, he knew. He said, listen, what you guys are talking about is temporary. It's going to come and it's going to go. That's why he said, give Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Because tomorrow, this will not apply anymore. Caesar will be gone. The kingdom of of Rome will be gone. You, Pharisees, Herodians, you all will be gone. The denarius will be gone. But the will of God will still be on track. The will of God is eternal. Glory to God. So those in Christ, whether we are alive or dead, we have eternal life. Do you hear me? We have eternal life now. The only thing we are doing we are, we are, has to happen with us right now. We are, have to mature in Christ. We have to get our mind changed. We have to start thinking the thoughts of God. We have to mature in Christ. And then we have to put off this body. Because this body is temporary. This body cannot be in the presence of God. The Bible says flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom of God. This body cannot be in the kingdom of God. We have to put it off. So whether you're alive or dead, we have eternal life. We are still reconciled to God. Whether we're in the body or out of the body, we are still reconciled to God. Because it's our spirit that's reconciled to God. It's our soul that has to catch up. The body we put off, but our spirit and our soul, it goes with us. 
But our, our soul has to be renewed. When you get born again, your spirit is already renewed. It has been infused with the spirit of God. Making you alive to God. Now it's the soul, your mind that has to catch up with what has happened to you. Okay, so we have eternal life. That will never change. But what will change? The world system is going to change. The world system will continue to change. And eventually it will end. It will come to an end. As it is written. Most people in the world won't think. We see what they read. They hear the scripture. This prayer. World without end. Amen. Now you have to have the context of what it says. World without end. He's not talking about the world system. This world, this physical world will always be here. How it appears will be different. Because when Jesus returns, all this world, what we see is corrupted. This will all be done away. The earth itself will be reconfigured with a new heaven and a new earth. But this earth that we are seeing here, this all will be done away with because it's corrupted. The world system when I talk about the world system, I'm talking about governments. I'm talking about the financial system. All these systems that are in place. The king or the god of this age is Satan. He's above all these systems. But that will be done away with. It will be done away with. Anything we erect in this system is going to be done away with. This is the work of flesh. And, and God, and none of this is going to glorify God. Anything that is going to glorify God is going to come through His body, His church. Because that's what Jesus prayed in John 17. The glory, Father, you have given me, I have given them that they may be one. I and you, you and me, that they might be made perfect in one. That the world will know and see that you, Father, sent me. Any glory, anything of eternal significance is to be manifested by the body of Christ, the called out ones, the church. Not by the world. Because anything done through the world is done through the arm of flesh. It's going to be done away with. Glory to God. So when the Pharisees and and the Herodians are telling, trying to set Jesus, Jesus up about taxes, he said, give Caesar what's Caesar's. Give God what's God. Because what Caesar's that's going to go away eventually. Give it to him. Everything we have in the natural is temporary. It's all going to go away. You buy a house today. You want to leave it for your kids. Who knows what's going to happen 50 years down the road. It's going to change hands. This house we're in. Somebody else owned it before us. It's changed hands. And it's going to keep changing hands long before we are, after we are gone. Nothing is tempor- is permanent. Everything changes. <laughs> Don't hold on to the stuff in this world. The stuff in this world is temporary. Alright, let me just get off that now. But I'm trying to get you to understand that you have to, if you understand and you see things from the eyes of God, you will not get caught, caught up in the traps and schemes of the enemy. We cannot allow ourselves to be distracted. By trying to promote our own desires and ambitions, just as the Pharisees and the Herodians. That's what they were doing. Give what you must to the world. You gotta pay your taxes, pay your taxes. 
We all benefit when you pay your taxes. We want, we, you know, our house is on fire. We call 911. We want the fire department to come. It's our tax money. The cops. Somebody's trying to break in or steal our car. We call the cops. And that's our taxes. We want our, our, our roads clean. We want to repave our roads. That's our taxes. Give Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Pay your taxes. Don't try to, to get out of stuff like that. Pay your taxes. Live honestly. Live with integrity. Pay your taxes. You have debts, pay your debts. Live a life of integrity. Be good citizens because it glorifies God. When we pay our taxes, when we pay our debts, it glorifies God. But also, in that like manner, give to the Lord what's due to Him. That's even more important. Seek the kingdom of God and its righteousness. Know what the will of God is and do it. That's what Jesus was doing here. He said, give Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give God what belongs to God. When, G when they needed money to pay taxes, what did Jesus say? He said, go, the first, cast a line. The first fish you, you get, open its mouth and you'll have money to pay your taxes. He paid his taxes. He didn't have a problem with it. He paid the taxes. He paid his taxes. Give Caesar what belongs to Caesar. But don't get caught up in, well, I'm paying too much in taxes. Well, you follow the, you follow the, 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 the you do your taxes, you follow the rules, and you pay what you have to pay. Don't get caught up. It's, it's temporary. It's, money is a tool to do something. Thank God you have the money to pay your taxes. Thank God. Thank God you have a job to, that you could, to do what you have to do. Give God praise for that. The job is not your source. God is your source. God can give you any job, any idea, any business idea, anything to supply your need. The question is, are you seeking Him? Are you seeking the things of the kingdom? Because the Bible says, God already knows what we have need before we even ask. Seek the kingdom. Seek the things of the kingdom. That's what Jesus said here. If you read the scripture. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. What things? What you're going to eat. What you're going to wear. Where you're going to live. Blah, blah, blah. All the things that we, God already knows we have need of. The Lord will provide it. But He said, Jesus said, Seek the kingdom first. Don't seek the stuff. Seek the kingdom. And the stuff will come. Amen? Alright, so we ought to be good citizens to glorify God. But we also have to be seeking the things of the kingdom. Knowing what the will of God is. Knowing what we ought to be doing. And why? And what's, what's involved? Why, why is this important? Because what we ought to be doing, as I, as I, as I taught in a different, the other series, we ought to be loving one another. Loving the Lord. Loving our enemies. Yes, loving our enemies. What Jesus said we ought to be doing, that's what we ought to be doing. Why? Because that's the will of God concerning our lives. And when we are faithful to do His will, the Lord will take care of our needs. That's His promise. He never go against His own promise. He can't do it. The Lord will never go against His own word. Listen, this is there anything I've ever I've learned about the Lord. He never go against His word. Never. 
And he never go against my own will. If I choose to disobey him, he ain't going to stop me. He's going to prompt me and, and show me and bring people in my way to try and remind me that I need to walk in his ways. But is he going to usurp my will? No, he's not going to do it. He has given me free will. So I have to choose whether to obey him and worship him or not. That's my choice. God never goes against the choice of man. Never will do it. He won't do it. Because if he does it, he's going against his own word. He said, I've laid before you blessing and cursing. Cursing. Life and death. He said, choose life. I've laid it before you. You make the choice. You make the choice. And the choices you make will determine the trajectory of your life. And the consequences that come with it. The choice is up to us. So give the Lord what's due Him. Know what the will of the Lord is. And know that, you know, loving one another, that's the will of God. Obeying the word of God, that's the will of God concerning us. Concerning us. Because when we walk in His ways, when we obey the word, this has eternal value. Why? Because we take this into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is in us. But that there will be a literal physical kingdom when Jesus returns. It will be set up on earth. But not with flesh and blood. Everything will be done away with and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And then when the kingdom that we, that, that environment we will be in, this body will no longer be around. We, we will have on a spiritual body, a new body. Do you understand what I'm saying? If anything you get from this, lesson today and this example of Jesus about the taxes it's not about the taxes it's about your priorities knowing your mission knowing your purpose why are you here we are here to glorify God and how do we go, in about, go about doing that each of us have a specific purpose and a specific mission and I'm going to help you to try and determine what that is. And help you to keep focus on that and not get distracted by all the stuff that was going on. That is going on. Because back in Jesus' time, there was a lot of stuff going on too. But he didn't get distracted by it. Okay? Alright, so I'm going to stop there. And I'm going to pick this up next week. <laughs>